The Paternity Test is a comedy podcast for adults. If you're not a grown-up, get off the internet. It's a horrible place. From Chicago, it's The Paternity Test. This week, Lemonade Stand Conglomerates, Chicago Parking Wars, and Kid Spider-Man Kills Kid Batman. And now, two hosts that want to auto-belay their way into your hearts, here's Matt and Taylor. Hello and welcome to episode 41 of the Paternity Test, recorded live at First Ascent Climbing and Fitness. I'm Matt Barese in Chicago. And I'm Taylor Wood in Chicago. Welcome back to the podcast that didn't vote to leave the EU. We got kicked out because our kids wouldn't stop kicking the seat in front of them on the channel train. That lady voice you just heard, and I know you don't hear a lot of lady voices on the show, is today's special guest, Taylor Wood, from the Motherhood What blog and from Chicago Parent, one of our colleagues at Chicago Parent, uh, and... She's a climber, and she's a Chicagoan, and she's joining us today. How are you, Taylor? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. Are you excited? I am so excited. This place is bonkers. Uh, we are They're having a family day from 9 to 1. It will be too late to come when you hear this, because it'll be a week later, and you will have missed it, and you will feel so sorry for yourself, because this gym is outstanding. The walls are 60 feet tall, uh, and we're out in the Avondale neighborhood. And if you're not familiar with the Avondale neighborhood, uh, where would you say we are, Taylor? We're like west on Addison? Yeah, just keep heading west on Addison away Mm -hmm. from the traffic of the Cubs game and Mm -hmm. just... Keep going, and you'll and you'll hit it eventually. And this was, I gather, a this was like an empty lot, and they it, turned it into this enormous. When you get you, you kind of drive into an industrial park, and you're like, "What's what is anything here?" And then you see this building that right. you could you know put a church inside of. Yeah, uh, and there are rocks everywhere, and all those crazy. Uh, oh, this is amazing! And so families are starting to starting to filter in right now, and there's all kinds of stuff going on. They've got face painting. Viva already has a butterfly on her face. Uh, Con- uh, Taylor, your son Connor, yes. he's how old? He is one and a half. And is he on the face painting train yet? He is not, but we also haven't really arrived at that station. I've not. Mm. I've intentionally drove straight <laughs> past that station past the train to make sure that we could delay that train as right. long as possible. Because once you get there, you, you want to get right. past that stage where the child wipes their face with their hand a lot, right? And he's probably right. still in, like, yeah. his face land, he, right? he is definitely still in the, the wiping, and <laughs> but I think he would love it, which is why I kind of want to do the Italian train system where it just delays as long as possible. Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Until Mussolini comes along and makes it, uh, makes run, it run on, on time. time, and then you're in trouble. Well, in, back in, well, in my day, I don't know if I should say in our day, I probably got a couple of years on you, but uh, <laughs> face painting meant... Like either a C for Cubs or an S for socks on your face or a, a rainbow and you went away. Easy. Now there's like 50 gallons of professional grade like Ben Nye makeup on your face. It's actual art. And mm-hmm. I absolutely agree. I can remember just getting some sort of star and that was mm-hmm. it. And now <laughs> Viva's here with a sparkly, realistic purple fairy butterfly and it's incredible yeah what viva has on her face right now for free which is this like multicolor, like multi-grade purple hued butterfly with gig with with uh uh what do you call it? the sparkly glitter this glitter right yeah uh with glitter would have been like 20 bucks at the renaissance fair in the 90s and now it's what you get for free at the a street fest yes what what did you say and poo-poo did you say poo-poo on a, on a <laughs> it's a good thing this is the internet because if this was the radio We'd be we get an FCC fine already. Hey, are you excited today? Poo poo. Okay, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Now we have to edit around my daughter. Oh. Viva, come here. What are you gonna do today? Climb. And are your friends coming? Yeah. What is your favorite thing about today so far? Crates. The crates? Oh, crate stacking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, have fun, sweetie. Professor Foster is here with Viva. Uh, there is crate stacking. There is. Uh, speed climbing, there is zip lining, there is slack. I don't know what slack lining is. I don't is. know either, and I'm mm. a little too embarrassed to admit right? it to the people who know what it is. There is, tell me if you feel this, Taylor, there's there's a learning curve to climbing, right? Right. And maybe because it's athletic, it's, it's it, inter- it exists in this interesting intersection between 
like hippies and hipsters and jocks, right? Because it's right. kind of outdoorsy, right? And it's kind of urban because climbing gyms are in big Indoors, cities, yeah. But then it's also a sport, so yeah. I feel like a lot of different social anxieties as far as like being cool make right. you afraid to start. And I fit in exactly zero of those categories, <laughs> which makes it even worse. So there's a Venn diagram and you're over I'm here? I'm literally just kind <laughs> of eyeing all of those circles and, and all of those intersections and just <laughs> amazed at everybody else's abilities. Well, I'm t- so this, I've been to, this is a, your first time and my first time at this Avondale facility. Right. We'll be talking to Dan and we'll be talking to a few people from... Uh, from First Ascent later in the show, and they have another facility near where we live, and they have an uptown gym right? in yeah. the old abandoned, was it Barnes & Noble or Borders? It, it, most things are abandoned in uptown, but yeah, I think it's a Barnes & Noble, <laughs> yeah. And it's right there by um, by the uptown theater, by by the Green Mill, right? by right. the annoyance, by like uh, that cool intersection of entertainment stuff. Yeah. So this bookstore went under, and they put a bouldering gym in Which, there. Perfect. And what I noticed about... about uh, and what Dan has said, it they're they're making concerted effort in their aesthetic and in their culture at First Descent to make it not douchey. And you know, we did a show at Brooklyn Boulders uh, down near Greektown a few weeks ago, and you were right, there. West Loop, uh, yeah, and that was also there. not douchey. Yeah, but amazingly. I think that in the larger indoor rock climbing community, there's a lot of douchiness. Like when you walk so into a gym, there's a bunch of guys with their shirts off. In capri pants and like do rag covered time. in chalk yeah. in random places that chalk shouldn't be. Yeah, no, no, I see, I know that. Yeah, I went online last night because I had a question about a harness that I bought, and I saw somebody on Yahoo Answers, which is always a cluster, a deep, dark place yeah. in the internet. Yeah, and somebody said was asking the exact same because when you type a question in the internet, all you find is other people asking the same question with you never no get answers. An answer. No answers. No answers yeah. ever. So I found someone asking the same question as me, which has to do with. A discrepancy, something that doesn't make sense on the instructions for the, for sure. the harness. And then a bunch of climbing douches underneath making fun of them for asking the question. And I was like, oh, this is what Dan was talking about. Like, some gyms are not fun, not friendly not to walk fun. right into. Yeah. But this one is, so far everybody's been super nice, and there's donuts. Which has, has the key <laughs> to my heart, really. Coffee <laughs> and donuts and climbing is pretty much all I've ever wanted. <laughs> yeah, life. donuts. Yeah. Holy cow! Donuts is and damn it, Viva brought. How would how big would you say this donut is? That's My face. Of, it's about it the is size face, of your face. Face size mm-hmm. for sure. Now Taylor does have a normal face. She doesn't have like a Dick Tracy villain <laughs> face. Um, but it's a face size donut, and I just need to not. Like I can't fall off the donut wagon. It's a slippery slope it's for me. It's very so I need slippery. To, I'm at like zero tolerance right. for donuts, like teetotal donuts. Because if I eat one. Then all of a sudden, tomorrow on my way to work, I'm stopping in a Dunkin' Donuts and eating two, and then right. I put on 30 pounds. Because it's objectively delicious and addictive. What's not to like? It's sugar and fat, right? right. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least when you fall off the donut wagon, you <laughs> fall into more donuts, and they're very soft and cushy. So <laughs> it's a great, wonderful place to fall if you have to fall off one. Yeah. It's true. Some of them even have cream inside to cushion the fall. Right. Are you going to... We are staring, so we're sitting at a table and we're facing these 60-foot walls. Are you going all the way up, Taylor? Are we going to have you go line up at the right by the rafters, 60 feet up there? I will do my darndest to get 60 feet high. Um, and then once I do, almost inevitably, I will do this very high-pitched squeal mm. slash shriek at the top mm-hmm. when I let go in the autobullet. And there's that... Miniature dip before the audible really catches you, and then I uh, then I go down. That's so scary because that is your body says here is how I here is how I die. Like right today, this is this is how I go. I'm falling <laughs> to my death, but it's only for a nanosecond, and then it catches you. Yeah, but there's that nanosecond where you're like, oh, so it this is death. Not, it might not happen. Yeah, right. Yeah, you're like absolutely. hi, grandma. Like <laughs> people are waving to you from like through through the light. Yeah. Well, yeah. wish wish us luck because we're gonna give it a shot. <laughs> I am amazed, though, at the little children and just their lack of fear because they really they just go straight to the top and don't even think about it. Whereas I'm like, oh, this will hurt. Mm -hmm. This might die. You know, all those adult fears that. Well, their assumption, I think, is that like mommy wouldn't have brought me if I was going to die here. Right. Right. Uh, Whereas we're like, we got to die something. So probably (laughs) it'll happen today. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I don't even think that they have that, oh, if it's safe, my mom would only bring me to safe places. I think they just go. Mm-hmm. Right. There's a, um, 
Well, how old would you say that little boy is running by? Nine, twelve. And five, we just saw him know. what forty, fifty feet in the air, Easily. like it was nothing. Easily. I'm assuming he's come here before. If not, wow, he's like lacking a valve that gives you fear. <laughs> I might have to buy uh, buy some equipment on the way out, but I have this uh, bad habit of uh, oh, what's that adage? Dress for the job you wish you had. So I keep buying climbing equipment, but then when I put it on, people think I know what I'm doing, and then they like it's say, a- oh, "Oh, sure, you should come over here to this really hard thing." And I'm like, "Oh, I don't know how to climb. I just bought these shoes on right, Amazon." Right, right, <laughs> yeah, no, that's it's always a terrible thing to look like you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. That's why I always strive to never do that. To never look like you never know what you're doing. look like I know what I'm doing anything, Be- which is good because I usually don't. It's it's, it's an actual. Fact. And she is wearing a prom dress right now, so no one is assuming that she's here to climb. It's exactly, yeah. it's a lovely I, dress. Though. I like the flounces. It's formal. <laughs> some big sleeves, some puffs on the shoulders. You know. <laughs> I'll play wonderful tonight later, and we can we can slow dance. It'll be it'll be great. <laughs> Hey, folks, you already shop on Amazon. Why not put those dollars to work keeping this show on the air? And you can do it by using the Amazon portal on the support page at paternitypodcast.com. Not a lot of people know this about podcasting, but it costs over $700,000 a year to uh, put this show on. So all of us work for uh, all our day jobs are just to pay for the show. And then we get some loans. And then to feed the kids, we only feed the kids through the Amazon portal money. So if people don't do their Amazon shopping through the portal, Viva doesn't eat. I mean, that's the bottom line, really. So if you care about about, uh, having her eat, like that's why she's having that big donut today. That's all she's had this week. Oh, wow. That's a a low week on the Amazon portal then. (laughs) It's true. It was was tough. Nobody bought anything this week. Only face-sized donuts for Viva Mm -hmm. is... I'm so glad they were face sizes. She would have cried if they were if they were donut holes. She would have been like, "Oh, over. I wouldn't even make it through the week." So here's how you do it: uh, when you want to buy something on Amazon, and you know you do, don't go straight to Amazon. Go to paternitypodcast.com. That's our website. Click on support. You'll see an Amazon box, and when you click on it, boom, you're in Amazon. And then you can use your Prime, you can use your password, you can do whatever you want. You don't have to sign up for anything. You don't have to pay extra. Amazon just knows that you came through our website, and. Uh, they give us some of their profits, and we use that to feed our children. Taylor, you look like someone who buys things on Amazon. I do. I what do. What have you bought lately? Well, recently, it was my husband's birthday, my husband Chris, and he... 57 years old, the big 5'7". 57. It's amazing, mm-hmm. yeah. And he is a total nerd, <laughs> um, which I am too, but he's a... We're just nerdy about very different things. And he's kind of a Lord of the Rings nerd. So he requested these lost books from... From the author about, they're like companion Lord of the Rings books. That's how. Oh, he's one of those guys. Apparently. No, he hid this from me until we were engaged and then was like, oh, by the way. By the way, I have a a hardcover copy of The Cimmerillion under the bed. Oh, yeah. No, Uh this makes The Cimmerillion look mainstream, these books. Uh. I don't even know what they're called anymore because I just, he put them on his wish list on Amazon. I clicked and bought them, and that those were his birthday. And presents. are they by J.R.R. Tolkien, or they are they are. by his kid? Oh no, no, kid, no! Like- so one of them is the Lost Text by Tolkien, and then his kid finished it. Okay. So it's kind of a halfsies, and mm-hmm. it was it, it was horrible. I, just, I, you know, I'm a big geek uh, for some very specific things. Like we talk about Star Wars a lot on the show. Right, I love. I love. Star I, love Wars. Uh, I love old school cartoon toy like toy commercial cartoons like G.I. Joe and Transformers, mm, right? But there's something about the medieval fantasy stuff that currently is a bit of a bridge too far for me. Like, sure. I like, you know, I've read the core Lord of the Rings books and yeah. I've seen the movies and they already, those Lord of the Rings books read a little bit like an encyclopedia. To right? me too. Yeah. Yeah. Because Tolkien no, was what, an Oxford professor? I, and like a linguistics professor. So like he sure. geeks out about the language, he geeks out about the cultures of all these elves yeah. and yeah. brownies and leprechauns or whatever, right? But then when you get to the books that your husband's reading, these are reference books about reference books. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they are just so beyond my ability of comprehension that he could find them interesting that I, we don't, we can't even talk about it. So you're here today. I'm assuming he is in the woods dressed as a 10th level orc mage throwing foam arrows at his friends. That's, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Connor is dressed as something else, you know, mm-hmm. as probably an elf lord. He has his little elf ears on or something. Nice. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I don't even, I really, I'm just so not a Lord of the Rings 
kid. I was a Star Wars kid, but not a Lord of the Rings. And he's not, he hasn't brought you on board at all? Like He's I, trying. He's mm-hmm. trying. We made an agreement that if Chris said, if I read the Harry Potter books, you have to read the Lord of the Rings books. Okay. And uh, Where are you on that bet right now? He read the Harry. He read the Harry Potter. I said he'd only had to read one, but then he ended up reading the, all of them. Um, so I made it about a third of the way through the first Lord of the Rings book, and I keep falling asleep. So that's that's where that oh, is. Oh, all yeah. right. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, not going great. They get worse. <laughs> Thank goodness. Uh-huh. The only thing I want to do is be more bored. Yeah, I mean, like, is Hobbit? Hobbit's the. You wrote that one first, right? And that one's super easy to read and shorter. Supposedly, it's very light and fun. And then... By the time you get to Return of the King, it's like he wrote a fake Bible. Like, it's all thou and thee and begat. No, please tell me. Yeah, it it gets even more full of itself. Oh, man. (laughs) Fantastic. So after the books are done, he has agreed that if if he learns parcel tongue, that you'll learn elvish just to speak (laughs) around the house. Parcel tongue, parcel mouth, parcel. I mean, that's actually language. not a bad idea to be able to swear around the kids. Oh, there you go. You know, if mm-hmm. you know, he could. We could also throw in some some trekkies, some what is um, oh, Klingon, uh-huh. some Klingon maybe, and then Connor mm-hmm. will just learn to swear in Klingon, and nice. we can. <laughs> well, I did see Connor has um has some large size twenty sided die, so he can practice like you know rolling a. a Defensive role against uh, Vorpal yeah. Swords. That's how we determine his bedtime every night. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So buy your copy of The Lost Fellowship of the Companion of the Cimmerillion of the House <laughs> of uh, Saruman on Amazon. God Amazon. Okay, so we are here with Dan Bartz, and he is the Director of Operations for First Ascent, and that is both the Avondale location where we are right now and the Uptown location we mentioned earlier. Dan, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having us today. It's great to have you out, man. This is a fun day for us. Oh, it's an amazing day. So you feeling good about the, the turnout? There's a lot of families here. Yeah, feeling great. Uh, mm-hmm. There's just a really fun energy in the space, you mm-hmm. know, and uh, I think it, it's always exciting to have families out. Uh, because this is a sport that everyone can kind of enjoy at their own comfort level. So mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely fun to see see so many fun, uh, bright, shining faces in the facility. <laughs> so since we're talking about families, tell us about the family programs here. Like, what can a family come do at First Ascent? We have a variety of things a family can do. So we do offer a family membership. Um, if you know families really want to be kind of doing this two or three days a week, um, if kids are really interested to climb, we have uh, rec programs that we offer. Um, so it's a once a week, hour or hour and a half long lesson. Uh, and then for summer, we're offering summer camps. So kids are at our facility either half days, uh, mornings or afternoons, or the full day. Um, and we, you know, you can book as many days or weeks. It's very flexible in terms of booking. Uh, and you know a lot of the activities that we're doing today, including slacklining and ziplining, and uh, you know obviously climbing and uh, the the other fun things that we're doing are things that we're doing with our summer camp kids every day. So this facility is awesome. It's humongous. There's what we're looking at: 60 foot high walls that are actually 40 feet deep because some of them have an uh, overhang at the top that sticks out further from than the base. So if you're not a climber and you're thinking about that, you're climbing backwards you're inverted a little bit you're pretty climbing, much yeah uh, you know, overhanging up and, is what we call and it. back over yourself uh it's so cool to see and then there's bouldering caves and there's like there's a zip line set up right now mm-hmm. i was i just saw somebody there's a, a wall full of grips up there and they flipped a key and it turned into a wall that stuck out at 45 yeah that's right yeah it's a hydraulic adjustable system wall so you can adjust the angle uh to your level of difficulty and it's really for building uh sport specific strength and endurance Wow, it, it was it was very fun. Then I tried the peg wall, mm-hmm. the like American Ninja Warrior, Big pull challenge. the peg out and jam it in the hole. Yeah. And now all my muscles have been ripped from my body, and I'll be crippled <laughs> for a week. Now, it was so much fun, and yeah. way harder than I thought it was going to yeah, be. Yeah, it's pretty hard. Yeah, mm-hmm. we actually have several Ninja Warriors who train here. Really? Uh, and we had we had three of them actually go and compete in Indianapolis, mm-hmm. and two of them move on to the national final uh, competition in Vegas. So we're pretty psyched on that. Well, and you had an event here, a big event last week. You had a climbing a, a youth climbing event. Tell me about events here. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we host a variety of events. Our youth program, you know, one thing I didn't mention before is we have a competitive youth team that trains here. Uh, it's 60 strong, which is, is awesome, and we're seeing it grow every month. We're definitely interested to k- keep growing it. So when kids and families come out, do you 
teach them how to belay? Do they need to know? Do parents need to know how to belay? Do you have classes? What or can you just do auto belays all the time? What is? How does that exactly work? Great question. So it, it again, it depends on how uh, how much you want to get into it, and you can kind of get into it as much as you want. So if you want to just come out for a fun day of climbing, we do have auto belays. So those allow you to just ki- cl- clip uh, clip in and climb, uh, and that way you don't really need to know any of the technical skills um, for for top rope belaying. But if you want to learn how to top rope belay, we offer classes. Um, we have eight classes throughout the week, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and kids, anyone older than 14 can take this class and get certified in the facility to top rope climb. And once you have that certification, it opens up you know, so much more terrain in the facility for you to explore. Well, my wife has never been rock climbing before ever, and she's lost her mind. I don't know where she awesome. is right now. She's <laughs> been at the top of a bunch of walls, and she's having so much yeah, fun. Yeah, I've seen her all over the place, mm-hmm. which is great. Yeah. And she does not consider herself an athlete. Like, she was nervous to come, and now she's completely got the bug. So if you're listening right now, and you're feeling a little intimidated, like, maybe I'm not a jock, maybe I'm not, like, one with the culture, is it going to be a huge learning curve, you can really show up. The staff is really nice, and you can get going and having fun immediately, no matter who you are and what your your background is. Yeah, that's right on. We have climbs set for all ability levels here. So our goal is to, to show everyone an amazing first-time experience. We're going to get everyone to the top of the wall that first time out to get that feeling of you know, uh, making it, uh, summiting your, your own sort of personal mountain, if you will. And then after that, it's really about kind of climbing more and more difficult uh, climbs as you go. When I first tried climbing, I was you know out of shape, kind of pudgy college student. And uh, I tried it for the first time, and I was terrible at it, but I just loved it. It clicked. Uh, something about the movement and the, the fact that it's a, a mental exercise as much as it's a physical one. You're really figuring out how to use your body to make upward progress. And so because of that, it just really clicked with me, and it was in many ways an inspiration for me to get in shape and, and eat uh, healthy. And uh, it's been kind of an inspiration and a continued you know, passion ever since. Well, Dan, thanks a lot. Thanks for having us out, and congratulations on all this coming together. It's a really great place. Absolutely. It's great to have you guys here. I really hope you enjoy your time. All right. And we are back, and Taylor and I just went slacklining. What do you think? Um, I am not meant to be a tightrope walker. That's so. what slack. So we found out what slacklining is. It's tightrope walking. <laughs> now it's not very far off the ground, so you don't die, but you can die of humiliation when you realize how hard it is to walk on a tightrope. Which I think we both did. And then mm-hmm. Viva got on there and humiliated us both further because she just did it. She pwned us pretty hard. Yeah, on the, it on was slackline. Yeah, major pwnage. It's everything's hard about it. Like it's actually kind of hard on your muscles because you got to keep your core engaged and balance is hard. Right. Uh, and I thought that I was going to someday just whip off the Act One finale to Barnum by singing a song while walking on a tightrope across the stage. And now I've realized that it would take practice to do that. Yeah, apparently things take practice, and I hate practice. That's <laughs> hard dumb. things take yeah. practice. <laughs> <laughs> and so this is like a, a hippie thing, I guess. Like like Burning Man people do this, right? Like they set right. lines up in the woods between trees, and then they. Go on a vision quest and slackline? Is this a thing? It must be. I mean, it is easier with your shoes off, which automatically mm-hmm. puts it in that hippie Venn diagram piece mm-hmm. of the climbing douche circle. Like makes it appeal to a certain type of barefoot person. Right, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just took my shoes off and uh, I hadn't seen my own naked feet in I don't know how long. I usually, I, I try to like shower in wingtips. Like I never take my shoes off. Right. No, it's mm-hmm. terrifying. <laughs> After a certain age, you just don't take shoes off. Mm-hmm. And now it's time once again for you kids get off my lawn. That's where old man yells at cloud, or in this case, youngish woman yells at cloud. Taylor, what's going on in your life these days? So I think I'd like to talk about summer in the city lemonade stands. Does this happen in your neighborhood? Yes, and I have a lot of opinions about it. It happens a lot in my neighborhood. Is your neighborhood pretty family-ish? Like, we have a lot of kids in the neighborhood. Well, so I live in Uptown, um, Diet Uptown, so there are, you know... (laughs) Maybe a quarter of the shootings. And so there aren't as many <laughs> families in mind. But I live right on the border of Lakeview, which is... Oh, sure. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. You know, we cross the much block. Fewer, much fewer shootings in Lakeview. Much fewer shootings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why we're in Diet Uptown. And so when we walk, you know, that's the great thing about living in the city is you get to walk to your restaurants and you get to walk to the grocery store and the drugstore and, you know, you never drive. But the thing is, every two to three blocks in the summer... There's a different lemonade stand. Every two to three blocks. Every two to three blocks in Lakeview. It's wow. It's like a. It's a. It's a. What do you call it? A um, gauntlet. You're running a gauntlet. I'm running a gauntlet. And so by the time I get to my restaurant of choice, 
I'm either full of cupcakes and lemonade. Or broke. Broke. <laughs> or I am full of guilt. For because not having, you blew them off. Because I blew them off. Mm-hmm. And I just feel like there needs to be maybe a list of etiquette for grown-ups on how to approach these lemonade stands without feeling like a total jerk. Yeah, it is. I, I mean, these things, in theory, when you think about a lemonade stand, you think of this this oldie-timey, charming, Norman Rockwell-type setup where one of the letters is backwards on the sign sure. and it says lemonade five cents. No, that's not And some not kids how learning it. about grassroots capitalism, and then later they get to watch a baseball game through a hole in the fence and contract polio and other charming things <laughs> that grandparents did. Uh, but in fact, you you feel this terrible pressure terrible. To, to buy something you don't want because then they give you a glass of sugary lemonade and you're like, I don't. I, this isn't the I 80s. Don't I don't drink sugar. Oh, do you really? Well, I, I walk in the one block in between after, the two when lemonade they can't see stands. You after the kids can't see me mm-hmm. anymore, throw it in the bushes and then inevitably either cross the street away from another lemonade stand <laughs> or. I like to picture you doing it in front of the kids. <laughs> This is what your lemonade means to me. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the kids' lemonade stands are also, like, they're really well presented, and <laughs> there's, like, professional cupcakes, and cake. One had cake pops. Come on. Yeah. Kids and can't I'm, make cake pops themselves. Kids cannot make cake pops themselves. And I'm like, the idea I'm of lemonade is that you take lemons or else a mix and water and stir it with a stick in a bucket, and then you can serve it. But if cake pops are involved, Thank your, you. your mom with a degree in pastry chefery like helped you do that right and i don't like rewarding parents for doing things for their children what's the price point on an uptown cake pop um these were a dollar fifty a pop it's a pretty good deal for cake it's such a good deal i mean you can't (laughs) knock out one but then also these kids are sort of never doing it for themselves i don't know about you so i had a lemonade stand when i was growing up and I think my goal was to get enough money to go rent a VHS at Blockbuster. <laughs> like, I can remember being like, man, I can get a new release at Blockbuster, yeah, you know, awesome. on the outside wall. And at five cents a pop, it's going to take you a while to get up it to $2. so long. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, like, all of these kids are doing it for good causes. Oh, like, come on. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you're like, oh, what inspired you to do this? Or... Which is another thing. The conversation is absolutely out of, you know, it's so hard. But they're like, oh, well, half of it is for us and half of it is for Make-A-Wish Foundation. Or half of it is for us and or all of it's for our school. So you have to decide. It's like, oh, Sally, do you want your textbooks or do you want to help a dying child receive their wish? Right. That's so bogus. Because, like, we should theoretically be happy for them just because they're learning about capitalism. But then they're like, oh, hey, mister, buy my lemonade for the dying kids to go to Disney World. Well, Right. Then I have no option but to buy your stupid lemonade that I don't want. Right. And also, your parents put you up for that because no yes, kid gets out of bed no and says, kid. "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise lemonade for the March of Dimers or muscular dystrophy today." They either did it so they could go buy some muscle things or a Hot Wheel, right? Or, or which not, is, which is fine, mm. you know. And then with these industrial, one kid had lemonade, and I swear it was like a keg stand. They had like a tap. With the, what? Yeah. It was like literally a tap set up. Like you get a... I was like, do I get a beer? Instead I'm sure of, the kids set that up too. Anything involving calibrating CO2 cartridges is something right. the kids set up. Exactly. So I'm like, I hate rewarding parents for making their kids look good. And I hate having to... And then what's the guilt when you don't... What do you say? Do you have to address the fact that you're not getting lemonade? And they look up at you with their big doughy eyes and say, <laughs> oh. Do you want some lemonade? And you're like, oh, no, but I'm going to buy it. I was going to come to your neighborhood for the $1.50 cake pops, but now that you tell me about all the probably fake charities, because the other thing I want to see is I want to see a spreadsheet of their expenditures to see if that money is all going to administration or if any of that is actually getting to the dying children. Yeah, are they listed on Charity Navigator? Exactly. I don't know. I don't know. Um, what is their CEO salary <laughs> as a percentage of their... We're a not-for-profit. I mean, I do pay myself a stipend of $200,000 a year to sell you these cake pops, but uh, we're a not-for-profit. Right. My least favorite thing about these damn stands is the fact that I have not carried any cash on me since about 1997. Right. Like, never. I have no cash. I don't have a quarter. I don't have a nickel. I don't have a dime. I don't right. have anything. So if these kids don't have a square... To swipe my credit card, I cannot buy their lemonade. 
and they make me feel guilty for being a normal 21st per- century person who carries no cash. Right. I mean, I've started... I feel that I only carry cash in the summer just... For that reason? Just for this reason. I don't know why I have cash, but now all of a sudden I have cash, and I'm spending it all on lemonade for the bushes. <laughs> Well, if you are one of these awful parents who sets their kids up to make a charity lemonade stand, go to square.com or whatever and get that little reader mailed to you because if you want this to work, you really need to have a credit card swiping. Because you can get a credit card swipe anywhere anymore, right? Except for the kids' lemonade stand. I mean, there's some that literally just, just scan credit cards. You don't even have to have the swipe. Oh, just your phone does? Like a QR reader? Yeah. See, there's no excuse for these little monsters then. I more want to give it to the kids who obviously did it themselves. Right. Who don't have an industrially made designed sign. Mm -hmm. The ones who actually do it themselves and are sitting there without parents, I'm much more likely to actually buy it from them. I would rather do it where I'm a little afraid that I'm going to get dysentery from the lemonade that they made than... You know, because they stirred it with a stick that they just used to, like, move a dead bird uh, off the sidewalk. Right. Then one where their lemonade stand looks like it was designed by Frank Geary or Studio Gang. Like an undulating silver lemonade stand with a land bridge. Okay, we are sitting with John Shepard, and he is the business director for First Ascent. Uh, first of all, John, thanks a lot for having us out. Yeah, thanks for coming out. This is this is awesome. So we talked a little bit to Dan about how this got started, but uh, did you guys already know each other? How did you how did you get in the in the rock climbing business? Uh, yeah, well, it, it is a long story, but mostly because Dan and I met in college, and uh, we were both in engineering school together. Oh, and started climbing in college, so uh, we were both engineers looking for something to do and we both were kind of outdoorsy and like camping and stuff and there was a climbing gym near university of michigan mm-hmm. and we both went to it and just fell in love with the sport and did it kind of as our activity throughout college and always talked about how it would be awesome to own a climbing gym but i think never i mean we were serious about it but didn't really have a plan or anything like that um after college dan moved to new york to actually help start a charter school and work for teach for america oh and uh, i took a law internship um after law school here mm-hmm. in Chicago. And when I came here for the law job, I realized there was no climbing gym. And it had become my sport, and it was the way I stayed fit and kind of kept my sanity after, you know, doing lots of long office hours and called Dan up as soon as I realized it and said, hey, Dan, you know how we always talked about opening a climbing gym? There's nothing in Chicago. and Which uh, is weird, right? I mean, it's a huge sport on the coast and kind of a lot of places. And here's this one of the biggest cities in the country, and up until a year or two ago, a, a desert for climbing. That's right. And uh, you know what? A lot of people had theories about it. When we were trying to get the business started, we met with all kinds of investors and people to help us with business planning. And they were like, well, maybe it's because there's no mountains nearby and maybe people won't like it. And maybe people just aren't familiar with rock climbing or why you would ever do something like that. We don't really know. I mean, climbing has always been bigger on the coast because there is real rock climbing there. But now we've seen over the last 10 years, climbing's really big in Atlanta also. And it's mm-hmm. really big in Boston. And it's really big in all kinds of markets. And we felt very confident it would do well here because it's just so much fun and it's great exercise. And, uh, I mean, it's like best way to get an adventure when you're living in an er, when the city. So. In a city that is horrible weather 10 months out of the year yeah. and you can come to an outdoor sport in what kind of feels like outside. It's like we're in a giant simulation of an outdoor adventure. Yeah, I mean, it, the, the cliffs are actually tall enough. I call them cliffs, the uh-huh. fake cliffs. They're, they're tall enough that it's almost inspiring. Now, I mean, mm-hmm. or it is inspiring and that was kind of our hope is that when we built this gym, we wanted it to look and get you ex- like look like cliffs and get mm-hmm. you excited like real climbing does, and that was the goal with the design. And I think we got it. We when we have people come in, especially kids, they come mm-hmm. in and they're just like, "Whoa, I want to get on that <laughs> thing." And I, I, that was what we were trying to accomplish here. And I, I mean, just looking around, I think we've uh, succeeded in getting people motivated to try rock climbing. Yeah, people like the our listeners who have come in who have never been here before, and I've never been in this facility before. There's an immediate awe like the eyes light up because it's yeah. so cool to be in here i got a question for the the engineer in you the la- the latent engineer go for it this is no small feat of engineering 
No. This building's new construction, right? That's right. And I've been to your uptown location, which it blessedly filled in a an abandoned... Was it a Borders or it Barnes & Noble? It was a Borders, yep. Um, so here's this gorgeous building, and it's like a flat iron type building like in New York. It's a, it's a building on a diagonal street, so it's a That's beautiful right. wedge-shaped building. And it's next to... The old Uptown Theater, the Green Mill, the uh, the Riv, right? There's all this nightlife stuff there. It's a cool location, especially because at night you notice the LEDs that we have, so we light it up, and all these uh, all kinds of people all hanging out, going to music shows, and they can mm-hmm. all look in and see people rock climbing. Like, yeah, there's these are... neon LEDs going through, yeah. like looking like like cracks in the rock. Yeah, and, and through the window, you're like, what are all those people doing, falling all over each other and climbing and like you know jumping for holds and stuff? <laughs> it's pretty dramatic looking from the window because all you you can just barely see their feet swinging by and mm-hmm. what's happening in there so that's been it's been pretty good for us that we get you know there's hundreds of people walking around every time there's a show going on uh-huh. and they get to see the neon lights lighting up people climbing so yeah that we were excited about that location because mm-hmm. we felt like it'd be a great way to kind of show off the new sport mm-hmm. to the right demographic to the right people who would probably like it so you guys offer yoga classes and a full gym upstairs do. and does that help with the climbing, or why, why add all of that stuff as well as the climbing? Is it for fun or for helping I mean, climbing? It, we did it for a number of reasons. So um, I don't even know if you guys, if Dan recently mentioned this, but we just turned our increased our hours to open at 6 every day because we were getting a lot of requests from people that are kind of making First Ascent their home gym. So um, we... We realized in a city like Chicago where there were not a lot of climbers that we wanted to make a climbing facility that had other amenities so people could say, well, you know what? I love climbing. It's not Maybe it's not my thing, but I could still come in here and be a member and have a full fitness gym and, and yoga facilities and group training. And all those things are included in membership. So if you buy the, the monthly membership, you can come in and take yoga whenever you want or you can come in and use the weights and stuff like that. And we figured it would just be a really helpful way to introduce people to a new sport is to have a lot of amenities they're used to and that they can use too. Um, you asked, does it help climbing? I mean, certainly. I actually never did yoga before I started climbing, and I am not a very flexible person. I, you know, I kind of need to warm up before I can touch my toes. I've been doing yoga more and just making that a part of my uh, workout regime, and I, it's almost making up for the six years of desk job I've, I've had, which is uh, not quite, but it's getting close. And it's, it's. I, I, I will say that if you can, if you can touch your toes, if you have like flexible hips and stuff very very helpful for climbing and i think a lot of people that like yoga tend to really like climbing because they both emphasize like balance and body awareness and stuff like that all right i got one last uh sort of body related question so two of two of two of our three regular hosts now uh, we've just gone north of 40 years old and so we're concerned about, and we got friends like some people that try and CrossFit and they're exploding all their guts, like doing fake pull-ups or, or, or cleaning yeah. a million pounds. Um, we're, you know, I'm doing this right now and I actually feel more stretched out as well as more muscular after I'm done. But for, the, for our listeners who are like, I'm afraid I'll explode if I do that. <laughs> how's, yeah. the, how's the injury thing here? Very, very common question. Like we had, so even... Going back to your original question about where we all got started, when we were first looking to build a gym and we were meeting with real estate developers, everyone was like, "Is this kind of like an X, like export? Th- or, uh, uh, I'm sorry, X Games? Is it like an X Games thing? Right, right, right. Like extreme. Like the people are picturing like downhill mountain biking with pads all over your body and <laughs> crashing into trees and stuff like that. Really, people are like, okay, so rock climbing. Like, I'm gonna break something. Like, I'm falling off. I'm gonna jump out of a helicopter on a yeah. snowboard, drinking a Mountain Dew. Yeah, yeah. Everyone, everyone was picturing the X Games. That's what I did and they're last like, weekend. so this is. Yeah, I know, of course you I know, did. I'm yeah. in. But uh, so what we had to do was we actually would go to other gyms and videotape them and show people, no, this is what it's like. We have kids climbing. We have people in there. I mean, my, my dad uh, just turned 60. Well, I won't say it. Yeah, he probably doesn't want me to say it. But he's in his late 60s, and he started climbing when we opened, and he, he loves it. And it's become his best his That's new form amazing. of exercise. And I will, I will say this, because he'll be okay with it. He's been out climbing some of the younger guys, and uh, I think it's just because he, he loves it and he pushes pretty hard. But it, this is not a sport for just teenagers that love to skateboard and crash into stuff. There is the potential for doing X Games type. If you want to get to that level, if you want to train, you could do that. But climbing is a sport for people of all body types, of all ages, of all ability levels. We have climbs that you could do if you could climb a ladder. And I mean, in all seriousness, if you could climb a ladder, we have a climb that you could do. 
Um, then we have climbs all the way up to the highest level of professional uh, athletes here. Maybe not the highest levels, but we have climbs that would shut down most very high-level climbers, and they can come here and work on them. I think another aspect of, of that, that it's for all ability levels and all body types, is climbing... This might sound surprising. It's very true, and you could probably attest to this. It's a low-impact exercise. Super um, low, yeah. It is, it is not. So I, I know a lot of athletes. Um, my, actually, my parents, they're another example. My, my parents have played tennis for decades. They love tennis, but my mom just had knee surgery, and she was worried about whether she can keep up her tennis. She has been coming and climbing more with my dad, and she says her knee has never felt better because she's kind of doing yoga on the wall. I mean, she's doing slow body weight exercise. She said she's got her mobility back. It's not high impact. You're not running. You're not, like, jumping and bumping into stuff. CrossFit is an amazing exercise, but if you're not up to the level of fitness where you can put a couple hundred pounds in your back and, you know, do cleans and squats and stuff like that. It, it might not be right for more beginner level people. I'm sure with a good coach, it could be, but climbing is very much your body, your pace. It's not high impact and it's great workout for anybody. I mean, if I want to make it high impact and I want to go jump and like catch stuff, I can make really hard moves. But most of the time climbing is more flowy and it, it's more like flow and stretch and like takes advantage of the way you use your own body the way you want to use balance and strength and stuff like that what's that mind body connection you were kind of talking about which is a big thing in yoga where you have to figure out what you're going to do and figure out what your body can do instead of someone just telling you oh go up or like use do this move you have to actually figure out what how far your arm can reach or how how much you can press up yeah i mean and, and, and any given weeknight you will see climbing in the gym you'll see uh regulars who are in their 60s who climb on a regular basis you will see regulars who are 10 and 12 who climb on a regular basis i think one of the cool things about climbing is all these people kind of hang out together like they come over and congratulate each other and what they've just accomplished or maybe the older guy gives the younger kid some advice or vice versa and they're kind of like hey maybe if you put your heel on that hold you'll be able to do that very unlike the weightlifting gym. I've been going to weightlifting gyms for my whole life, and I, I, I see very little social, socializing. You know, people put on their headphones, and they kind of just do their thing. Here, I get I see people from kind of all walks of life and all different ages, all kind of like enjoying this uh, new sport together. So it's a really cool atmosphere. It's very different. Well, this has been awesome. John, thanks very much. Congratulations on all this. Thanks for having us. Thank you guys so much. It's great to have you out. <laughs> If you like the opportunity test, please help us tell other people about it. Subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. It's quick, it's easy, and it helps other listeners find us. Also, you can read our weekly paternity test blog at chicagoparent.com and our monthly column, Viva Daddy, in Chicago Parent Magazine. Of course, you can also check out uh, Motherhood What at areyoumotherhoodwhat.com. I am. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And uh, you can check out your blog on Chicago Parent. Is Absolutely. That, how, how frequent is that? Bi-weekly. Bi-weekly. Yep. Now it's time for the spite fence, where good fences make good neighbors and bad neighbors fence stolen property. All right. So my my update this week is also uh, neighborhood related because it is summer. It is summer. We're outside for the first time in mm -hmm. eight months. And today, actually, I'm a little bummed out because the sun is coming out, but it was crummy this morning, which I hope would drive more people to this event. Although it's a pretty full boat right now, so I don't think they're exactly sad that that, uh, more people aren't here. Uh, we have talked on the show before, if you're a long-time listener, about some of the passive-aggressive weirdness that happens on my street. Now, just to give you a quick rundown of what, what my street is like, there's a lot of single-family homes, a lot of those chicago three-stack condos, sure, and then a few apartment buildings, and we're near the red line, and we're near, near an arterial road with businesses. Okay. So what that means is carpetbaggers. It means people come from further west, park their cars on our street, to get on the train and go to the loop for work or to, to park the car on the street and go work in the stores on the arterial and road. And it's not... so it's some, not zoned. So in Ravenswood, near the Metra, mm-hmm. it's only zoned from 9 to 11 a.m. on weekdays. To prevent people to prevent from... People commuters from doing from commuters it. Commuters from oh, doing it. Okay, and then the rest of the time it's not. Yeah. See, and that's... We haven't gone zoned yet because, oh. because we don't... I mean, I think if all the neighbors get together and talk to the alderman, you can make your street go zoned. But then when... It, guests come over you have to like run a sticker down to them and it's a pain in the butt it is a total pain in the butt yeah so we haven't yet except so we've got two cars and one garage spot 
So Professor okay. Foster parks in the garage, and then I wander around like Israel and Egypt looking for someplace to park. Concentric circles, Jerry. Concentric circles. Exactly. And they, um, it goes with the economy. So in 2008, when the bottom fell out, there was plenty of parking because no one had jobs to go to, and um. none of the condos were sold, and apartments weren't rented. Sure. Now that things are booming again, you can't park ever, ever, ever. And your neighborhood's probably getting better. So it is, yeah, want, yeah. Yeah, all the values are going up and everything. So the homeowners are, we're all grumpy about spots, so sure. we're all protective of spots, so we're all jerks to each other about things that happen on the street. Do you do dibs? Some people do dibs, yeah. yeah. You, you have that in your neighborhood? Uh, I mean, honestly, we've got a, we only have one car and we've got a parking spot, so mm-hmm. I don't even know. For I our mean, non-Chicago listeners, dibs is a thing pretty unique to Chicago where if you dig out a spot in the winter, and it's winter most of the year, you take lawn chairs and dining room furniture and iron garden boards. No- garden gnomes? I've seen garden, garden gnomes. gnomes. Which I totally respect. If I saw garden well, it's gnomes. it's got a sort of whimsy to it. That, it has uh-huh. a whimsy. I've seen... There's an entire blog dedicated to pictures of Chicago dibs. Oh, that's great. It's incredible. There's a great La Familia Green Christmas card. We'll see if Molly Green has that one available this year that says, Merry Christmas from Chicago, and it's a line drawing of a dibs spot on the front of the card. It's, it's pretty perfect. Good. That I will send that out this year. It's, a, no, it's, a, sorry, it's my favorite card I've ever seen. Yeah. No no pictures of Connor this year. You're just going <laughs> to get... Just going to get a life shot picture of us. So you block the spot that you shoveled out with a bunch of furniture from your house. And then if someone comes and moves that furniture, you have, by natural law, by like folk law, not by laws on the books, the right to murder them. Yeah. I mean, people have slashed tires. Mm -hmm. People will always leave. There's always a note. Um, People will scratch your car. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... And I've, I've actually heard urban legend where a police officer rolled up to somebody doing something to someone's car and they were they were all what, are, what is going on here and they <laughs> said they violated dibs and the police officer said carry on yep. sir that's two thumbs up yeah Keep going. <laughs> carry on citizen yeah it's it's true i think if you were caught violating dibs and someone were stabbing you to death over it, and all the neighbors come out, it would be like the Kitty Genovese case. Like, you would right. be shouting for help, no one would help you, and you would bleed out into it's the snow. It's an absolute kangaroo court. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Expanding pool of red snow around you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Viva's back to the... Uh, Viva's back. The She's board. adjusting our levels. How are you, sweetie? Are you having, having a good time? Yeah. What is your favorite thing you've done so far while climbing? Um, play Oh, really? And here's Professor Foster. Hello, sweetie. Hi. What is your favorite thing that you've done so far? I like the climbing. So far, I've gotten about two-thirds the way up. Woo! Which is shockingly shocking and extremely terrifying. But I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Congratulations. You look like a natural. Really do. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. So I guess these levels that Vivo's just playing with are just our headphones, so I don't know how loud it is now, but feel free to play with these knobs. Yeah, no, I'm... Okay. <laughs> I, I refuse to touch knobs. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> so the latest, we set, we do a lot of po- passive-aggressive notes in my neighborhood. If you're okay. parking too close to someone or if a car seems suspiciously parked there for too long, we go and put nasty notes in each other's... I don't, but a lot of other people do. Um, the, the latest passive-aggressive note thing is that there's a constant stream of block parties... In my neighborhood. Okay. So the, the block party organizing group put some signs up on the trees that said no parking on this coming date for a block party. And they put toe zone on the paper. However. That's not enforceable. It is not enforceable, nor is it true. So they made <laughs> lying signs and they put them in everyone's windshields and on all the trees that said toe zone on Saturday, which was a lie. Now, I was not going to go to the, to the uh, block party. We've lived in the same house for several years, and I know that even though they block off like two blocks for this block party, that it's actually only a tiny portion of the block that they put bounce houses and tables full of like crockpots on, right? Sure. So I know that if I move my my car all the way to the end of the block, right near where the sawhorses from the aldermen are set up to keep people from going down the street, that I will not be bothering the the block party and that I can keep my car, because there's no parking. And you've displaced two blocks worth of people Which into the same neighborhood. even less parking. Right. Right. So I got up in the morning, moved my car to the very end of the block, and figured I was good. The next day, passive-aggressive note in, under my windshield. And all cars in the neighborhood that hadn't been moved, someone went around with another note 
for the block party and put it under everybody's windshield just to let them know that they ruined the block party, which they didn't. Of course. I mean... I'm so mad about it. I don't even... I don't even know what I would do. I Uh, think I would make notes to put on top of the... If I knew there was another note coming, I'd put a big red sign on my car being like, ha, 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 no way. Right. Or something even more... Mm -hmm. Hope you couldn't inflate your bounce house all the way, you jerks. I can park wherever I want. (laughs) Well, Melissa was mad at me because I found the note under my windshield, and then I walked down the middle. It said... I know that the, there's some guy named Darren. I don't know who it is. I don't, he's one of my neighbors, evidently. Darren does But he makes cool. all the signs. So I feel like it's Darren. And maybe Darren had a couple of drinks in him at the end of the block party. And he started putting all the signs under people's win- windshields. So I started walking down the middle of the street, clutching the paper in my hand, screaming, Darren, come out. Darren, like, fight me, Darren. Or like, Chino, come kill me, Chino. How many bullets are left in this gun? Right? And she's like, stop it. Stop it. Do not pick a fight with the block party guy just because you're mad. That he's calling you out for leaving your car. You needed to have gotten a legion of everybody who got a note on their car. And there were many. And gotten, you, you all should have banded together, shouting mm-hmm. for Darren. It's yeah, this is mob a, justice. A, a, a line of people, elbows locked, right. walking on the center of the street, <laughs> sweeping the neighborhood for Darren. And I realize that maybe I'm on the wrong side of history here because I did not move my car out of the neighborhood. But you know what? I pay taxes, damn it. <laughs> It, it's just, it's an amazing spectacle of just how annoying parking can actually be. I guess it turns, it pits us against each other. It, it turns really, us into animals. It does. And mm-hmm. it's really why I try not to ever use my car because I turn into such a jerk mm-hmm. anytime I'm involved with my car. What's your parking situation? We have an uncovered spot okay. in the back and it's actually fenced in. Nice. And our offense, if anybody is listening, is totally illegal to Chicago Code. Oh. But it was built before the codes were made, so... Oh, it's grandfathered in. It's grandfathered mm-hmm. in. And this is, I only know this because I am now HOA president. You are. Of our condo board, our, our association, which is the worst job. I bet it is. In the world. Will it gradually turn you into Barney Fife over time? Will it be you become an officious person leaving... Passive aggressive notes? No, I am the receiver of all passive aggressive oh, notes and that's expected nice. to <laughs> pass the passive aggressive notes around. But no, um, all I know is that if we do anything to the fence, we have to rip it down. Mm-hmm. And I have an entire box that has been passed from HOA president to HOA president. And the only reason it's been passed is because somewhere there is some sort of document that proves our fence has been grandfather. Oh, the box is there just to prove the fence. There, it's, an, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a tub of documents, and one document is the only reason. You know, exists. that could be an urban legend. There might not be a document in that box. I'm not going through it. I'm, I, like, it may be that they, they, they pass this on to... I got it. They pass this down from HOA president to HOA president for 100 years, right? And they say to the next person, don't worry... The fence is legal. There's one document in this box that you'll never look through that says the fence okay. is legal. And that way, when people walk up and say, hey, your fence is too tall. we got to tear that down. You say, no, no, no. I have a document. I have a document. If, you, if the day ever comes, and let's hope it doesn't, that <laughs> someday, and that day may never come, when you have to find that document, right. you're going to dig in that box, you're going to find this yellowed this yellowed like Daniel Burnham era envelope sure. with a wax seal, and you're going to break that open. And you're going to open it up, and all it's going to say on the paper in, like, courier, you know, in, sure. in typewriting Type. is, there was never a note. You went a little dark there, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just there to give you the confidence to tell people that it's legally in the right, Right. it's not. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, no, our parking situation isn't isn't terrible. It's, I wish it were covered. Mm-hmm. I wish... I didn't have to scrape four inches of ice off, but it is. Mm-hmm. This is why dated. in Chicago you have to buy a new car every year, and in Cuba they're still driving 1958 Volkswagen Beetles. Right. Because our weather is so egregious and aggressive that it dissolves a car in a couple of years. It does, uh-huh. yeah. I mean, even if you buy a new car, it looks like a used car mm-hmm. in, in in a matter of days. <laughs> it's true. My car is three years old. Right. And it looks like it's been in a, in a like a... What do you call a bumper car derby? Like a oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, yeah. Well, we used to park it on the street, which of course didn't help things. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 over. Well, that's the last part of my update here is oh. about parking on the street. So it is right now. It's sort of tornado season and thunderstorm season. It is, yeah. The other thing we do on my street is play what I like to call uh, ash tree roulette. So most parkways 
most trees in the parkways in all of Chicago are ash trees. Right. The ash, the emerald ash borer, came on a little ship from China, like that T Rex that gets that gets on a boat in Jurassic Park Two, sails sure. across the ocean, kills the crew, climbs out of the boat, and then goes and invades a blockbuster store. And Jeff Goldblum chases around in a convertible with a bazooka. Right. I, I, hate bit, that I movie. mean, they the even T Rexes want blockbuster back. See, even T Rexes want blockbuster back. Right. Yep. They even take the time to go in and make sure that they brought two forms of ID so they can get on the rental list. <laughs> yeah. You know, a, a recent want, utility bill. They want to watch Fletch 2. <laughs> Fletch 2 and Fletch 2 also. Oh, yeah. T-O-O and T-W-O. Yeah, exactly. So the ash borers came and they killed all the trees. And it's just a matter of time. All the trees on every parkway in Chicago are dead or dying. And the only reason they haven't been taken down yet is because it's expensive to remove them and no one wants the beautiful canopies to go from the street. But, right. the, you know, the alderman has told everyone these trees are coming down and every neighborhood in Chicago will look like hell very soon. Oh. Um, and ours is no, like the arborists came through and tested all the trees, put medicine in them, tried to save them. Not going to happen. So Fantastic. all these trees, dead or dying, are canopying over the entire street, which is lined all the way up and down both sides with, with cars. cars. Every time there's a thunderstorm, one car gets crushed. A half a tree comes down. Just one. That's what's weird. Mathematically, That's occasionally it should be none. Occasionally it should be six. Sure, but it's, it's always, always one. Ooh. Ooh, that's... Natural design. It proves that the... <laughs> or what they call it? Intelligent design. Intelligent yeah. design. <laughs> um, intelligent design. So, one just assumes... How many parking spots would you say there are on one city block? Forty? Uh, Okay, yeah. So say it's 40. So you're you got a 1 in 40 chance that your car will be crushed. Right. I don't know to the listener. Like does that sound like good or bad odds to you? I mean, it sounds like mine would get crushed 8 times, but <laughs> I mean, you, you, so when you're it's nighttime and you're driving around, it's impossible to park and it's about to rain or it is raining. Sure. You have to make the decision, do I go park my car 4 blocks away and walk in the rain back to my house at 8 o'clock at night after work? Or do I take the 1 in 40 shot that my car will get crushed tonight? For I me, take, the answer is always take the shot. Take the shot. Yeah. There's no. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No. I, even if it's sunny and 82 degrees, you take the shot. It's, yes. I would park on the street if there were a hurricane. In and really, where do, you, where do you park it? Because there's trees everywhere. So right. I don't even know where you would I, yeah, alternately park yeah. overnight. Right. I mean, it's I guess you'd terrible. have to park on Arterial Street. What's that? You've been talking to each other a lot in these microphones. It's very true. Are you bored? Do we? Do you want us to stop the show? Yes. <laughs> are you gonna do? Are you gonna do zip lining? Like who did you say zip lines? Um. Oh yeah, Diego. Yeah, you're gonna zip line like Diego. You're gonna be like a Diego, Diego. <laughs> so the other day we had a big, big old thunderstorm, tornado warning. I was on the street, and my mother was spending the night. So really, it was a two in forty chance. Right. Well, that, honestly, nothing more guarantees something terrible will happen in the city than your parents being in town. Thank you. Yes. You will never see more homeless people. Mm-hmm. You will never see more crazy people. You, you will, will never, get hassled. You will get hassled. Uh-huh. There will be potholes where there has never been a pothole in the sidewalk, and then as soon as they leave, it's fixed. Mm-hmm. There, It really is the most freakish things will happen when your parents are in town. It is a God-given Chicago fact. Yeah, uh, there will be. Uh, frankly, there'll be a shooting. Oh, absolutely. There'll be a shooting near near where you are, so that they can remind you why you shouldn't live in the city. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, whenever I take my parents to a show or an event, there's shenanigans at it. Like if I go see two hundred shows a year, sure. The, the one that I bring my parents to, I get in a fight with an audience member. Because they're talking or they're drunk or you right. know, something. Shenanigans. Always right. shenanigans. Always. There's just shenanigans mm-hmm. everywhere in every respect. Well, I was sitting sitting on my bed working. Thunderstorm is happening. I hear a crack. I hear a crash. I hear a crunch. And I go, all right, 2 and 40, that either right. my, my car or my mother's car right. is, is splattered right. right now. Ran to the picture window. Not us. Hopefully, Darren's car was crushed. Oh, please tell me it was Darren's <laughs> car. Please. I- I don't know because even though it's been three days, the owner of the crushed car has not yet appeared. So there's Ooh. an un there's a crushed car out there that with a someone doesn't know. Note to say, please clean up this. Yes, with out. a note. <laughs> right. Thanks for ruining the block party. Underneath the branch. <laughs> also, your car is crushed. <laughs> and the city came in the middle of the night and took away the tree. Like Which is cut incredible. It up and took, I'm kind of surprised. Like 
Chicago's weird what it does right and what it does poorly. Right, right, right. Yeah, lead in the schools, mm-hmm. just going to kind of... Right, complete, complete collapse of the school, lead in the water, like, let's screw up the Lucas Museum. Right. But we do have... Uh, tree removal. Tree removal in the middle of the night. Okay. Um, Maggie yeah. Daly Park is really fun to go to. Right, you know? yeah. But also you get shot, and also... Uh, <laughs> that, that whole thing. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, I was super, I, I mean, immediately I was full of joy that one right. of my neighbor's cars was crushed in front of me. And I know that's not just me. All my passive aggressive neighbors, everybody heard the crunch. Everyone went to the picture window. Everybody Wave except each for other from everybody but one cheered. And one person <laughs> went, ah, it was my turn. Taylor and I have two extra special guests here, uh, some climbers here at uh, First Ascent Family Day. Uh, what's your name? Jack. Jack and? Caitlin. Very nice. And how old are you guys? Seven. Five. Five and Seven. Seven. And how old are you? Three. Three. What's and what's your name? Evie. Evie, that's nice to meet you. So what's your favorite thing you've done here so far? Climb. Which Climbing. What do you mean? What's like which station? Point to point to which one? Okay, so the auto belay rock climbing. How high up the wall did you get? I got like right there. Whoa, that's pretty high. So 20, 30 feet up. Uh, were you scared? No. Not even a little. No. <laughs> now I can't help but notice that you have a Batman mask on your face and you have a Spider-Man mask on your face. Do you feel that the superhero mask helps you? And particularly Spider- Spider-Man and Batman are famous for their climbing prowess, right? So does the Spider-Man mask help you feel braver and more agile on the wall? Yes. Good. Are you really Spider-Man? No. If J. Jonah Jameson at the Daily Bugle says, Get me Spider-Man! Can I get some pictures of you to run in the Daily Bugle? Yes. Who would win in a fight, nine-year-old Jack or Dr. Octopus? Nine-year-old Jack. I thought so. I thought yeah. so. What are you going to do? Have you ziplined yet upstairs? What? There's a zipline upstairs. Have you tried it yet? Nope. Oh, we got to unlock the zipline thing. Yeah. Achievement unlocked. How about you? Oh, what was the, what's your name? Evie. Evie. What's your favorite thing you've done so far today? I your like your face, face painting. painting is yeah. amazing. It's all those sparkly stars. What's your favorite color star on your face? Um, pink. All right, you guys. Well, good luck. And watch out for um, mountain trolls. There are a lot of rock trolls here that will eat you if you grab the handhold that they're hiding behind. So don't do grab that, that one handhold. Are you, are you afraid at all of the rock trolls? No. No way! Oh, yay! What are you going to do if you unlock one of the rock trolls and they come out? I'm going to beat them up. I'm going to beat them up. Have you seen a rock troll? They're super scary. They've got rocks sticking out of them. they got long claws. they got pig snouts. They have thick uh, But we've got Spider-Man and Batman. Oh, that's true. So. That's true. Who would win in a fight, Spider-Man or Batman? Batman. Spider-Man. They're oh, oh they're, they're, they're fighting. Oh, it's <laughs> it's a, they're actually beating the hell out of each other on the floor of the rock climbing gym right now, and I think Spider Man's winning. Oh, now we know. Is this a preview of what uh, parking wars in your neighborhood looks like? It's exactly what parking okay. wars are like in my. This is going to be me and Darren. We're going to put on the Spider Man and Batman masks. Wow. So so now we know that Spider Man wins in a fight. Oh, they're still fighting. Oh, we started this. Well, folks, it's time for another episode of the Paternity Test to let the kids practice lead climbing up that rusty water tower near the railroad tracks. Follow us on Twitter at The Dad Test, like us on Facebook, and visit our website, paternitypodcast.com, or email us at paternitypodcast at gmail.com. Catch us Tuesdays at chicagoparent.com, and call our voicemail, 657-BAD-DADS. Tell your friends about the show. Please consider a donation to the show via our PayPal link at paternitypodcast.com. And how can they follow you, Taylor? They can find me at motherhoodwhat.com, spelled exactly how it is, and on Chicago Parent. I write a bi-weekly blog post um, under my name, Motherhood What and or Taylor Wood. 
Well, Taylor, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're going to close it down and we're going to go climbing. So uh, if this, you know, perhaps the show will be presented with an, an in-memoriam pre-roll that right. says Matt and Taylor were, you know, went splat <laughs> at that climbing thing. And here, is their, here are their last words on tape. <laughs> so uh, I hope you feel that everything you've said today is right. your final your final word on I, everything. I am good with that. I hope they spread your ashes over Darren's lawn. <laughs> All right, everybody, remember, if your kid opens their hipster VHS movie rental stand in the front yard, make sure they have that copy of Amelie ready. And until next time, best of luck passing the paternity test.